with episode 853 of The Critical Myth. I'm John, your host, and tonight we have... Uh, Edmund from Washington Heights again, and uh, except for some reason, I uh, I just can't seem to get out of Berlin. Even even when I leave Berlin, I wind up in another Berlin. And um, this is uh, Gary from Jacksonville. Gosh, one day I'm going to have to move and be cool like Edmund. Anyway, um, <laughs> and um, I guess we have uh, seen the passing of an era, at least as far, as far as I'm concerned, over the last week or so. Oof. Well, we'll get more into that soon enough, but um, yeah, it has been an interesting couple of weeks, uh, specifically for uh, you know, from the weather point of view for Edmund and I, we have been dealing yes. with nor'easters. Um, oh, I thought it was just bad reception, or I thought it was just static on the picture I was seeing. I didn't think uh, that was that. Yeah, oh, oh, gee, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah if it yeah. makes you feel any better, John, it was like almost 60 here. I could not wear shorts today, so you know, I, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Together, yeah. Yeah, well, except the, the, the funny thing about this storm is that, uh, you know, they, when they say about snow blanketing the area, it's like, no, this is more of a patchwork quilt. Since I was in one of the areas where we didn't really get much snow, but I, get, I believe John was in one of the areas where you got uh, kind of uh, plowed under. Yeah, it was extremely heavy, which did not help uh, at all. And uh, apparently we have another chance for more Monday night into Tuesday. So, yay. All right. Um <laughs> Winter Tune up that blower. It's, it's, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> spring is just going to be a much better time around here, I have this feeling. But at any rate, we are back after a couple weeks, um, as is our usual pattern these uh, days. And we're back with uh, a trio yet again. I, I'm liking the way that this is going. So, uh, What we're going to do next, as we usually do, is get into what we've been doing that isn't on our typical episodic discussion list. And uh, before we do any of that, why don't we have Edmund give a disclaimer? Uh, yeah, when we uh, talk about these things, uh, we really don't like to hold back, so uh, we may give away uh, plot details or character beats or uh, anything we feel like discussing about uh, the, the various things we might discuss. So, uh, so yes, uh, if you haven't read them, seen them, etc., you will be spoiled. That's right, that's right. And let's see, I am going to go ahead and start here by asking the question, did anybody here see any good movies lately? Anyone? Hmm. Um, I did, but not really on our usual wheelhouse. Um, I happened to catch a screening of uh, Foxtrot, which was uh, I, it was the Israeli submission for Best Foreign Film. I don't think it actually made it through to, the, to be nominated, um, but uh, it's a, it is uh, not not one that's probably easy, easy to get a hold of. Uh, it's in li- limited release, um, but uh, a uh, quite intense film about uh, about uh, an Israeli family who uh, get news that their their son on national service uh, has been killed and uh, and uh, you know the, the the travails that they go through but uh, but it winds up uh, managing to also be uh, quite uh, bizarre and funny and surreal since things don't go quite the quite the way you expect them to um, but uh, that's a uh, um, yeah, and uh, and there because uh, it, it it does wind up actually show, showing uh, some some of the uh, the shenanigans that are going on at this remote desert outpost that uh, their son was uh, basically man- manning a deserted uh, gate and checkpoint. Um, so uh, there's there's both a sort of intense family drama and then the shenanigans of what happens when four very young men are stuck in the middle of the desert without much to do. Mm. Interesting and different from what we usually talk about, like you said, but hey, uh, the funny thing is, is there's lots of genre movies out there right now, and since the last time we talked about it, I haven't gotten to one of them, <laughs> so <laughs> it's been that kind of couple of weeks. Uh, 
I had hoped to see either Annihilation or Red Sparrow, but sadly I did not see the fake Black Widow movie. Um, <gasps> now, John, that's not very nice, even if it's 100% true. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> but, um, um, yeah, no, that's, on my char- that's on my charts for uh, the weekend coming up, actually, as well. So. Yeah, and now, I mean, we also have, as we're recording this, uh, A Wrinkle in Time is now out, but I don't know about I'm not you sure about that one. Yeah, exactly. The trailers and just the way that it looks, just there's something about it that just makes me very just wary of it. Is it too cutesy? Uh, is it? I feel like there's... I, I'm of two minds with this. The first part is, yes, I think that it's coming across as they're trying to maybe frame it in a very cutesy way. The second part that kind of bothers me is that if you know nothing about this and you watch that trailer, there is literally nothing to hook you. Nothing. It looks incredibly generic. There's like... I don't know. To me, it just looks like they are marketing this in the worst possible way, and I have a feeling it's going to flop. But... Um, I don't know about you guys if you feel the same way, but I, I remember looking at the trailer in the movie theater and thinking to myself, yeah, does this even tell you anything? Like, if you're not familiar with the book, would you even think about going to that movie? But Yeah, I definitely had, uh, had, had that sort of reaction and, uh, of, of both. Uh, if, if, you, if, you haven't, if you haven't read the book, this uh, isn't giving you much reason necessarily to go see it. And I think for, for many who had re- read the book, or at least certainly for, for me, having read the book and loved it as a, as a kid um, and, uh, you know, and going on and reading, the, you know, there are, there are um, I'd actually forgotten this because I, I think I stopped at uh, the third or fourth. I mean, there, there were actually five books in that series all, all about this family. Um, and, uh, but uh, I really felt for, for people who've read the book, that's they're, they're going to see that trailer and go, you know, no, that's not quite how I remember it or imagined it. And, uh, um, the film, uh, has, ha- I mean, has started getting some feedback and, uh, there, there does seem to be a, a, uh, a pretty consistent thread of, uh, people who have read the book saying, you know, no, I, uh, this is, you know, th- th- that it really is not quite the way they would have imagined it on screen. Mm, unfortunately, that is the impression that I'm getting. Uh, let's see. I mean, there's a lot still to come out this month. Uh, I think like the the reboot of Tomb Raider that actually looks like it's a it's a decent film, which is nice. Uh, Pacific Rim is coming out any day now. Um, just a lot now in March. It's like wow. It used to be that the first three or four months of the year was kind of like your your uh, slim pickings type of time period, and now it's getting it's really ramping up fast. So, um, let's see. Beyond that, how about uh? Any other TV shows that is that are not on our episodic list that you just want to kind of name check? I know that for me, um, despite the fact that Jessica Jones season two just started and I haven't gotten a chance to see any of it yet, it's because I'm trying to finish Altered Carbon. Ah, uh, yeah. I finished several episodes, or I shouldn't say several, um, a handful of episodes the other day. And um, while I definitely see the appeal and uh, characters like uh, Poe, for instance, are a lot of fun. Um, I still feel like there is uh, it's just I, I don't see this as being like a big breakthrough type of show. This is definitely appealing to a niche audience and it, I, I can't speak to whether or not it's a good adaptation and I still have about three episodes to go. Um, Dishan Lockman's character I really like a lot uh, especially the mm-hmm. way that she was introduced about halfway through with the really awesome like almost into the Badlands level ninja skills. Yes. <laughs> But, uh, Edmund, I know that you've, you've read the book, um, and I don't know if you've finished this season, but I've, like I said, about seven out of ten episodes, um, and it's good. It's just that I feel like the show, at least, is not really giving me the background to care about a lot of this. Um, mm-hmm. 
what do you yeah no well it is it, it, it is certainly this uh, sort of blend of uh, of cyberpunk and uh, neo noir and blade runner sort of elements um so i think it it it, it is certainly something that's more um more targeted and niche than uh, than certainly say say the expanse is um and also i mean i mean i've uh, both fin- finished finished the book and the and the first season and um, and i'm a uh, good ways into the second book um but uh, i think you get you do get some you know some sense from the uh from the series itself, um, this is not a world like The Expanse where you've got this sort of ongoing story to propel you through. Um, you know, even you know, with, you know, despite the you know the the huge cast and uh, sort of canvas that they're um, that they're playing on in, in The Expanse, um, precisely because of the nature of this future world where consciousness has become so interchangeable, um, where your 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 meat body is just a sleeve that can uh, you know that uh, can be uh, ch- interchanged at will. Um, it, it also does sort of introduce this, uh, this discontinuity into, into the world building itself. Um, this, uh, c- certainly the, the second book, it, it's not picking up from where the first book left off. It's going off on a completely different section. It's, it's still Takeshi Kovach, um, but now in a different sleeve on a different planet in a different situation. Um, so Altered Carbon, I actually see as being a series that actually is, is, completely tailored to more of the anthology um, model that's been that's been developed recently where each each season is going to be this this self-contained individual individual story and then they, they go on to a completely different section assuming they do go on I mean I think it's been getting enough bu- a buzz that uh, you know that's certainly a, a, a good possibility um, but it, but it is going to be a, a a very different type of series and uh, um, and it's it's been interesting. Them, then you know, certainly Heroes was the the series that was was supposed to start doing uh, individual stories you know, in each season um, with whole whole new casts and uh, of characters. And uh, you know, it, and it has been done to some extent recently with with things like Fargo, um, and of course, r- rumored that Star Trek Discovery was supposed to be that way. Although they certainly seem complete completely changed that direction, um, and. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean certainly it's uh, if, if you're into dark futuristic uh, you know private detective types running around um, or mercenary types running around is uh, is how the second one is playing out more. Um, then uh, you know you're you're going to have a a, a fun ride. But uh, but yeah, it's it, it it it's not for everybody. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's going to depend a lot on how it's presented. At any rate, um, Gary, how about you? Any other shows that you're watching other than what's on our list? Uh, I've actually uh, I suspended my Fringe rewatch and switched over to West Wing. Actually, ah. um, there's been a, a flurry of sort of I don't know at least in my feeds uh, about uh, different West Wing of podcast and several other uh, people sort of throwing it out there, and I it, and I um, so I started watching it again. Um, I don't want to get too political, but it is nice to see a president acting presidential. <laughs> and I will just, I will, I will, I will draw the line there. So um, it's uh, yeah, whether or not you agree with politics, I'd still say that's a fair assessment of uh, President Bartlett. So um, oh, yeah, I, I feel like that. we should be getting up and having the rest of this recording while we're walking down the hallway. It's just this weird compulsion <laughs> I have now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're not kidding. I tell you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, I, 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 so 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 yeah. that so that's been my latest. Uh, I've been burning through them too. Um, I oh, think okay. I'm like I'm I'm more than I think I'm almost done with the first season. Nice. And, oh, yeah. uh, 
I, 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 when I, when I uh, finally watched it, it was, uh, it was, um, because I, I I had this 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 ridiculous knee jerk thing of when it when it first started, um, I was such a fan of Sports Night, and I got so ticked off that Sports Night got canceled in in favor of West Wing. I mean, there were different networks, but uh, but you know, it was with the Sorkin basically, uh, you know, put all his eggs in, in the West Wing basket. Um, I actually kind kind of refused to watch it because I was like, oh, I follow politics enough anyway, you know, and it's just this this rehash of the Clinton administration, and uh, and then uh, finally got into it towards the end of its run, and then. Um, on the, when the final episode was shown, um, and I found out later, it wasn't actually, this wasn't supposed to happen. Um, they had some special that, that they, they were going to play, uh, you know, sort of recapping the series and that didn't come together for some reason. So they played the pilot before the first episode, before the last episode and watching the pilot, you know, I was sort of kicking myself going, Oh, come on. It's Sorkin. What, what were you, why were you, <laughs> what were you thinking? Yes. <laughs> You know, why, why, why was I depriving myself of this? And, uh, you know, and then, of course, you know, so went, you know, went back to the beginning and, you know, and watched it, you know, all, all the way through, including the, you know, the, those final couple of seasons that I had been watching. Um, so I, I completely understand when, when, once you start going, it is it's very easy to just click on to the next episode. Yeah, Gary, the, the West Wing podcast that you're talking about, the West Wing Weekly, is now currently in the latter part of season four. So uh, that's where I, my uh, ongoing rewatch is now sitting um, because I, I, I kind of keep up with it weekly with them. So whatever their schedule is, is my schedule. So, um, yeah, it's definitely. OK, well, at, at the rate I'm going, I might be on par with them by season five. Then. Okay. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You never know. Uh, let's see here. Um, Edmund, how about you? Anything else that's on the list TV wise? Uh, yeah, well, Bowles, partially, uh, my, my, uh, con- continuing with, uh, counterpart, uh, that's where my Berlin comment came from. Um, and, uh, you know, the new J.K. Simmons uh, alternate universe series. And, uh, that is clicking along quite nicely. Um, and, uh, it, uh, they're up to what I think episode seven of ten, uh, kind of similar to where you are in with altered carbon, um, but uh, but still spooling out. And uh, so so far they're uh, they're they're hitting their marks basically. And, you know, sort of with the with this sort this sort of story, um, you know, it's uh, kind of rises and falls on uh, how 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 they do the twists and revelations because it's uh, definitely has this uh, sort of Cold War spy feel to it. Um, since so the the in this case it is you know, at least so far they're just positing there are just these two universes and there was some incident 30 years ago that caused them to split and start diverging from each other. Um, so uh, you know we we are we are slowly but surely getting those uh, those bits and pieces of uh, how this actually happened and what the ramifications were um, spooned spooned out to us, but uh, rather nicely. Uh, but the other thing that uh, I finally remembered um, had. Uh, um, gone out uh, back at the end of last year was Berlin Station, uh, which of course we did cover here in season one, um, and uh, you know didn't uh, you know thought it uh, was a bit of a mixed bag. But uh, season two, um, they really streamlined the story, and uh, I kind of binged through all ten episodes uh, pretty quickly, um, and uh, they were going quite topical um, with the storyline about uh, a far right neo Nazi political party gaining 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 strength and uh, threatening to uh, um, you know get a foothold in parliament and uh, possibly uh, into leading the country um, and the various machinations around that. And uh, they um, 
Other than, of course, you know, it always always helps when they when they hire a person of interest, uh, alumni in this case, John Doman, who is a Samaritan senator, um, as the new ambassador, who is of course sticking his nose where he where he shouldn't and uh, making nuisance of himself. Um, and uh, and I've got to say, after uh, not really being sure whether I would continue with the series, they uh, they they really did uh, bring it home in season two, and uh, certainly it uh, it felt like uh, that uh, homeland season from a couple of years ago that was based in Germany, but uh, but done uh, much better hmm. because yeah i completely skipped the second season of that show because of the first season <laughs> um, so maybe that's worth a look at some time in the future one of these uh, moments when things aren't really uh, packed on the schedule and i can go back and binge it or something uh let's see here Speaking of The Expanse before, because quite frankly, for those who are wondering my opinion on this, because it did come up actually on my Facebook uh, feed, um, yes, I feel like The Expanse is a much more accessible show than um, Altered Carbon is. Um, Altered Carbon reminds me of trying to take the Blade Runner, which is definitely a very specific kind of uh, atmosphere and tone that isn't really for everyone, but still has a great deal of appeal. And basically it takes that and kind of makes it into a bit of a, of a TV series. And that's a very broad way of, of speaking of it. But, um, the expanse I feel like has a little bit more, um, it has more touchstones for your general audience, even if it does get into some pretty strange places. Um, I can't wait for that to come back. I just finished book four, um, last week. I ripped through it, as I tend to do with those books. They're very well written, mm -hmm. so they are, are incredibly compulsive. Um, definitely a step up for me from book three, um, which remains, for, for a few different reasons, my least favorite of the, of the first four. Um, I definitely, yeah, it definitely got me reinvested, and it was very interesting to see that kind of what I assumed was going to happen with the, with the events at the end of book three both did and did not take place. Mm -hmm. um, it still stays very rooted in the politics, of the system, which I was kind of thinking they were moving away from that, and I'm kind of glad to see that's not the, that's not the case. Because I, I what well, mean, just just because uh, we're expanding our horizons, you don't think all that stuff comes with us? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Should have known. We're better. all fans here. That's right. <laughs> uh, but it certainly does, and I, th I think the way that it's been framed is really actually quite well done. And there are some moments of humor in that fourth book that are just wonderful. Um, my favorite is when when the guy's sitting there like. Uh, we've gone to a planet that is that you know does all these horrible things. I hate this planet. Why did we come here? <laughs> He's just basically pouting. <laughs> Which, of course, if you realize it's Holden that's saying these things, then it makes perfect sense he'd be pouting. Um, anyway, and then the twist at the end of that, and I know, Edmund, you know exactly what I'm talking about as far as uh, Avasarala and what her actual motives were, is a brilliant, brilliant move at the end of that book. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, no. I mean, yeah, I know we've talked about, uh, you know, whether or not they're going to get there. I mean, I, I, I hope they do. Um, but, uh, you know, that, uh, cause there, 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 there is some wonderful stuff and certainly some of the, some of the, uh, interactions with, uh, with, with Amos and, uh, and the, uh, the, uh, competing security forces, uh, mm -hmm. would be some golden stuff to see on screen. It really would. Um, beyond that, actually, Gary, of interest to you probably would be, I don't, I, I don't know that you've had time to look at this either. There is a new discovery book out there. Called, I just I just saw it about two yeah. days ago. I haven't had a chance to dive into it yet, but yes. Drastic measures, and it is largely focused on Lorca, Giorgio. How could that be? Okay, sorry. It's set several years in the past, um, mm. and it is set during the um, Tarsus Four crisis with uh, Kodos, 
and the yes, his decision of how to make a sacrifice during the uh, the colony's crisis, so to speak. So yeah, it, it's a very interesting take on it. I'm about halfway through, um, but it, yeah, what I can say is that it does answer, perhaps answer, one of the questions that we had at the end of the first season. So they are doing a nice job of kind of adding to the mythos of Discovery. I still don't know that they're doing a great job of melding the prime timeline details that we know and love as well as mm. we would hope. But at least in this case, I buy the idea that they were involved. Um, and the way in which they are involved makes sense. So that it's, it's a pretty good one. Uh, I believe it's Dayton Ward that wrote it, and he usually does a really nice job with this. It does have a very um, vanguardish feel. Gary, if that helps you. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. No. Cause, yeah. Because yeah. I love that series. So I could definitely see, given, I mean, well, it might not be, it's a little earlier, but still within that framework, I would think. You can definitely see elements of that kind of feeding into Vanguard to a certain degree. I guess you could say the mindset. It has that darker edge to it. So, um, let's see. Gary, have you any other uh, reading material that you've been up to lately? Um, uh, no, I've just been, um, no, I just, I've been, uh, up in my comics. Um, DC has just finished their metal tie-in series that tried to link a whole bunch of stuff through mint metal, which is, uh, the metal that Hawkman uses to fly with. And they tried to tag it on to just about everyone else under creation and, um, not convincingly so. And, um, I have to say, while it was a nice sort of Elseworlds kind of, um, foray it's one of those ones where it just ends up so dark and twisted that it almost feels out of place for dc um i'm not saying that there can't be unfortunate circumstances or things don't turn out all cheesy but it was it was just such a dark series it, it almost felt like it sh- they should have not used the main justice league characters and gone off in a vertigo direction or something like that because it was ex- an extremely dark series where most people either got killed or changed into this sick twisted version of themselves and that was the uh, finish oddly enough and um i just i sort of scratched my head through the the whole comic book series so uh so i wasn't that thrilled with that um just trying to think oh as a little side note it doesn't get much press but um dc is actually running a line of hanna barbera comic books and um they combine people um i'm not thinking flintstones but they're doing like the herculoids space ghost johnny quest um birdman and in a uh, somewhat serious manner, um, very not tongue in cheek at all. And it's um, they have an ongoing series now. They started a miniseries where they introduced everyone. Now they're doing basically standalone episode books within the uh, series run with uh, each of the people, and they're linking them to an overarching story. And um, I've really been enjoying it, enjoying it a lot. They flesh out some of the characters a lot more. And um, I think they're doing a very good job at it. So while I can't say it, it would be sort of the young child uh cartoon level that we enjoyed as when we were younger they have um aged things up a little bit where i think you would uh, it would hold your attention and um keep you interested even as an adult hmm. yeah i've lapsed from my comic reading other than stuff like uh saga or um the walking dead even uh, okay well let's see they're bringing they're, uh just as a side note that marvel has decided to scrap everything they've done recently and go back to scratch pretty much um, well, I'll just wait for Hulk, Hulk will be, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes. Well, Thor, Thor will actually be a man again. 
Uh, and they're going to bring back his arm somehow. I don't, it looks like a robot arm or mythical arm. I don't know. Um, Tony Stark is coming back as Iron Man. Uh, uh, Steve Rogers is always already back as Captain America and not uh, hydride, yeah. hydrasized. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, anything else. Uh, Deadpool is still Deadpool. And um, I believe there's even talk to bring back yet, as I'm trying to keep count, a third version of Wolverine back alive again even though there's two versions already running around. And um, so, um, yeah, they're really, they're deciding to uh, go back. It's this whole sort of, I don't know what term you want to use for it. I'll just say controversy because I think that still covers both sides adequately. Um, that, you know, Marvel went out on the limb and they tried a lot of different things. A female Thor, which I thought worked out very well, but it didn't, people weren't buying the books. Uh, the same thing with um, Sam Wilson as uh, Captain America. The sales dropped off pretty quickly, especially as they uh, showed Captain America becoming the president of the you know, U.S. and head of Hydra. Um, the sales plummeted. And um, even the Iron Man sales, as they went to was Iron Heart, I believe her name was. Um, all those sales plummeted in the books, and they um, they're, so they're basically scrapping most, all of it and bringing back the uh, people we know as the characters we know. So um, I give kudos to Marvel for trying, um, but unfortunately, the you know it, it is a business, and if the books don't sell, then they have to change them. So. Uh, so the, yeah, so there's going to be a big Marvel revamp in a few months. And as a side note, um, not only are they starting to publish um, back issues now of Fantastic Four again for you to buy as you know trade paperbacks and the such. Um, there's currently a Marvel Two and One series that um, they are basically bringing the Fantastic Four back into the universe again. Uh-huh. I guess with all the Fox consolidation, uh-huh. they've decided that they don't need to kill the property to death anymore. And we're starting to see Marvel's first family, as they're often called, um, come back into the forefront again. And I can only be happy, number one. And number two, quite sad that it's coming this late because uh, Reed Richards and the Fantastic Four have always put a, a really interesting spin on, on intergalactic tales. And to not see them involved in some respect in the Infinity War uh, is disheartening. You know, if I would think about, okay, what Marvel people do you want in an intergalactic sort of uh, a war of some sort, and they would usually be right near the top, um, having been mm-hmm. so prominent for so many decades. And so I sort of miss not seeing Reed helping to figure out what's going on, or you know, uh, thing just smashing stuff left and right in a non-Hulk <laughs> way. So, um, or complaining about it while he's doing it, maybe. And so, um, so uh, I am very excited that they, they are um, cracking the seal open to bring the Fantastic Four back in dribs and drabs, and just still sad that they're not not in the upcoming movie. So. I guess that's my uh, rough comic book update. And as of now, there is still no talk about a new Legion of Superhero series, even though they've been getting decent ratings on Supergirl. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, patience, patience. Okay. Uh, uh, I've, 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 I've got to wait till the 31st century. I hear you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I've been hearing that Marvel news. I'm a little disheartened, but that's only just because uh, the, uh, the the side that was so whiny and complaining about all those changes, I'm sure, are, are crowing in satisfaction now, which uh, irks me. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I understand. Just and like wait I said, four months after the next change, and they'll just change it again. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> we'll see. But no, I agree with you, Edmund. Um, I think it was uh, brave of Marvel to shake things up so much and try it. Um, but you know, like anything in in a business, you try something new, and if it doesn't work, then you have to stop it. And it yeah. wasn't working very well. As I said, I was never thrilled with uh, Sam Wilson being Captain America. I thought he was a fully developed character on his own, and they could have easily have just pushed him as his Falcon character without much hoopla in my opinion mm-hmm. um and then the uh, 
you gave a spoiler alert. Uh, turning out that uh, Jane Foster was Thor was, I thought, uh, uh, ingenious, uh, unexpected. And I think they handled her whole issue of uh, her health. I'm not sure if you've been following that at all, the series at all. But uh, in a nutshell, um, it, uh, she had cancer. And yeah. she was uh, having therapy. But every time she turned into Thor, the hammer's magic wiped all the therapy out of her. Mm. So every time she turned to Thor, she just started getting sicker and sicker. But she would still, you know, some emergency would come up and she would change. And at the expense of her life, I thought it was a very, you know, wonderfully scripted tale. But it really did not go over well with a lot of people. Much of the people that you're talking about, Edmund, who are going, grr, grr, grr. You know, Thor's a man or else. Yet we've seen uh, a, uh, an alien be Thor. We've even seen a frog be Thor. So I don't know. And I'm not trying to be little women in that at all. All I'm saying is it's. Several times Thor has been untraditionally, uh, um, you know, shown shown as a character. So I don't know what the big hubbub was, but I will actually miss uh, Jane Foster as Thor. I, I I really started to enjoy the series, and I thought it gave it a, a fresh look on um, some of the uh, mythos and of Asgard in general. So, oh well. And then Ironheart, I just never thought uh, gelled enough. I don't think they gave um, gave the character enough uh, personality of her own to ever really, other than uh, you know, Whiz Kid. Um, so. Uh, so I th- I th- that was an opportunity. I think that was uh, lost. But uh, no, I give kudos for Marvel for trying. You have to try and get new audiences in. And um, you know, one or two of the successes actually was um, the uh, current Captain Marvel series, which uh, I, th- I feel fell under that same sort of umbrella as they were trying to draw in more um, you know female su- and non traditional superheroes. Uh, they pulled her back out again, and she's been doing phenomenally. And we have a movie coming up soon as a result of it. So uh, you know, it wasn't an entire uh, waste of uh, opportunity. How about you, Edmund? Anything on your uh, shelves lately? Uh, not so much. You mentioned. <laughs> yeah, well, the, yeah, well, that uh, yeah, I've been uh, yeah, I've been busy with other things. So, uh, so yeah, it's been. Uh, I mean, still as I can continuing with uh, with the the altered carbon series or Takeshi Kovacs Kovacs series, I guess is more more accurate. Um, and uh, but I'll also reading my my Alan First books that I mentioned uh, last time. Um, you know, keeping keeping my head in that. Uh, you know, his his aren't so Ber- Ber- um, Berlin centric as my TV viewing has been. Um, but uh, but uh, actually. Mentioning Blade Runner, Blade Runner-ish settings um, did remind me that uh, yeah, the the other thing I watched recently that was again set in Berlin um, was Mute, the uh, mm. Duncan film on Netflix and uh, one reason why it didn't immediately pop into my head is that unfortunately it was a it's a bit of a misfire um, it's very quirky and weird um, but the story doesn't doesn't quite hold together um, it, it, it does look amazing um, in uh, you know but it, it is set in this in this future Berlin uh, with uh, with uh, that uh, you know lot, lots of uh, neon and hanging around in nightclubs um, and about uh, but one of the the true strange oddities is uh, there is this this main character who is mute and Amish um, um, even though he's living in this futuristic world with all this technology around, um, but because he's Amish, that's why he can't have the operation that could uh, give him his voice back. Um, but uh, but uh, you know, having a a, a strong silent uh, hero, um, you know, maybe a bit of a trope. But when he is really completely silent, um, it doesn't necessarily help the story along too much. Uh, but uh, the uh, sort of parallel story, which eventually all comes together, um, does involve Paul Rudd and Justin Theroux doing this hilarious channeling of Elliot Gould and Donald Sutherland from the original MASH movie. Hmm. <laughs> As the, these two uh, military medics uh, caught up in some uh, nefarious dealings of their own. Um, but uh, the, the, the moment they appeared on screen, and I was like, oh, I, I know who you two are. <laughs> but uh, um, So it's, uh, you know, certainly it's one of those things where if, uh, if, if you have Netflix anyway and it uh, happens to pop up in your suggestions, um, it uh, could be worth a look as an oddity, but I'm not, I'm not going to necessarily recommend it. 
Understood. Understood. That's unfortunate, because, yeah, I did want to see if it was worth it. Uh, but there we are. Um, one last thing that I want to bring up before we move on to our episodic discussion would be uh, that I um, played the epilogue to the prequel game uh, Life is Strange Before the Storm which kind of was the last little footnote, possibly the, the last time that you see the main characters from the original game, um, because they might, in their, set, quote, second season, kind of bring our, our, our discussion about anthology shows to, to a little bit of a, of, of a circle. Um, yeah, it, it was very poignant, and that, that game series being very narratively driven um, kind of fits in our wheelhouse very nicely. There are certain science fiction elements, but for the most part, it, they really know how to just twist the emotional knife. <laughs> so uh, I just have to recommend that series yet again to anybody who likes narrative-driven uh, games and really likes to delve into character because you really get to know these people well. Um, occasionally, it does feel just a might bit uh, manipulative because they kind of do have to push you in certain directions, but... Um, it is a, a special thing out there where you can really kind of sink your teeth into some characters and in some ways that you normally would not. So, um, any other thoughts before we move on to our episodic discussion, guys? Yes, uh, Mark Hamill just got his star on the Walk of Fame this week. Ah. Uh, long overdue, in my opinion, and I believe he's the... I know Harrison Ford has one. I'm not sure about Carrie Fisher, though. Uh, but uh, Mark Hamill definitely from his... Uh, you know, his influence and importance in our uh, culture and um, science fiction in general is, should have well been noted before t- before this week, in my in my humble opinion. But I am glad to uh, that it did finally come through and he was, uh, you know, was, uh, I guess, recognized. Um, George Lucas and Harrison Ford, were, as well as um, stars from the uh, latest trilogy, were all in attendance at his uh at his uh, ceremony, and it was uh, it was very it was a very nice ceremony, a little low key. Although, as Harrison Ford noted, that uh, Mark Hamill had many more people at at this at his ceremony than um, Harrison did at his. So, uh, oh, okay. yeah, but you know, but regardless, it was uh, it was uh, it's, it's, you can find it on YouTube if you look, and it was it was a nice, cute little ceremony, and I definitely can't think of uh, someone who I definitely felt he was uh, extremely deserving of such. So uh, that was nice to see that happen. So. Very cool. All right, well, if that is it then for our uh, kind of uh, roundtable episode, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up, and when we come back next time, we will get into the episodic discussion from the last couple weeks. So until then. And so ends another epic episode of The Critical Myth. If you want to leave a comment for this show, head over to vognetwork.com. Not only can you find links to the podcast version of each show, but there is a dedicated forum, a ton of written reviews and related articles by the crew throughout the site. For the written reviews, you can even leave your own review. So let us know if you agree or not. You can also leave comments on our Facebook page, Critical Myth, on Twitter at Critical Myth, or Google Plus under The Critical Myth Show. Any and all use of copyrighted material is only intended for discussion, commentary, parody, or educational purposes in accordance with U.S. Code Title 17, also known as Fair Use. In other words, please don't sue us. And of course, the statements and opinions of the Critical Myth crew are not necessarily those of the VOG network, its partners, or affiliates. But let's face it, we're probably right anyway. Until next time, watch, watch, read, read, and listen, and listen, and believe, and believe in the critical, in the critical myth.